The VA3XPR Global 360 Net is intended to be a forum to discuss issues relating to amateur radio from a global perspective and to promote diversity within the hobby. Hams from all corners of the globe are encouraged to check in and participate in this informative and interactive net. The VA3XPR Global 360 Net will be held at this time every Saturday at 1400 UTC and will be available on both IRLP and Echolink networks. For more information about the VA3XPR Global 360 Net, please check out the VA3XPR website at www.va3xpr.net. So on today's VA3XPR Global 360 Net, we have a guest speaker who is going to uh, talk to us a bit about QRP operation uh, from a mobile and uh, portable perspective on the HF bands. Our guest speaker today is Joe, VE3LNU, and uh, so Joe is going to come in and give us a little uh, update on his activity on the HFNs with, uh, with the QRP mode. So uh, Joe, are you with us, VE3LNU, from Net Controller, Don, VA3XFT. VA3XFT, VE3LNU, uh, returning. Well, good morning, Don, and uh, good morning to uh, everyone on Net. So, uh, Don, I'm ready to go uh, when you are. Sounds good, Joe. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you here today. So, Joe, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, QRP. So, I understand that uh, you published uh, a recent article in the, uh, the the RAC membership magazine at the Canadian Amateur concerning QRP. And uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, your experiences with this uh, with QRP operation and uh, a little bit about it. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, VE3LNU from VA3XFT on the VA3XPR Global 360 Net. 3XFT from VE3LNU. Well, okay, Don, I will certainly be very happy to do that. And uh, But before I proceed, I'd like to welcome everyone who was able to make it to the net this morning. And uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, listen in and hopefully participate. Uh, as Don mentioned, QRP is something I really enjoy. And I really appreciate this opportunity uh, to share my interest with others. And, of course, um, I'd like to thank Don, the A3XFT, for the opportunity to do this on uh, his repeater. Uh, I think a brief introduction might be in order. I've been a licensed TAM since 1979, uh, but my interest began uh, probably like many of you uh, through shortwave listening when I was quite young, and perhaps a little bit of... Uh, Citizens Band operation, though some of us may not like to always uh, admit that. <laughs> uh, these days as a ham, I classify myself, I think, mainly as uh, what some would call an appliance operator. I should uh, make it clear that I don't have a professional electronics background. Um, in terms of operating uh, in amateur radio, my main interests lie in enjoying uh, reg shoot QSOs and the odd bit of DX uh, on the HF bands. And uh, I enjoy CW and SFB lately. Uh, I, rather, I should say I enjoy CW and SFB, but lately I've also dabbled in uh, the digital mode PSK31 that we'll talk a little bit more about uh, later on. Uh, don't really have a lot of experience building and experimenting, except with uh, various types of wire antennas for the HF bands. But uh, I've really never gotten over the thrill of bouncing uh, RF signals off the ionosphere. and. Uh, my recent fascination with QRP is just another facet of this interest. P R today is to uh, introduce QRP operation to those of you who have 
possibly never considered it. I'd like to talk about uh, equipment and operating practices and also provide you with some useful tips that might make it easier. Uh, and as Dawn mentioned, my talk today is largely based on an article I wrote in the January-February 2011 issue of the Canadian Amateur Magazine. Uh, and the theme for that uh, issue was taking uh, ham radio outside the ham shack, and uh, that's certainly uh, something that I have embraced. So I want to describe the benefits of QRP and then move on to my own experiences and the kind of equipment that I've used with great success and then uh, round out my discussion with some operating tips and some suggestions on how to make uh, QRP more enjoyable. To start, um, I guess the question you may have is why QRP? Uh, and um, for those of us who may be relatively new to amateur radio, I, I think a little background is in order. Uh, the term QRP itself originates from the Q codes that were used in commercial radio telegraph operation going back to the early 1900s. And of course the idea was that transmitting three letters was much more efficient than having to spell out entire phrases in Morse code. So QRP originally meant, as I understand it, uh, you may reduce your transmitter power. But over time, perhaps, it's come to signify low power operation in general. And there's an understanding amongst hams around the world that true QRP operation is 5 watts of transmitter power or less. The question that some may have is why would anyone want to operate low power when you can, uh, when there are so many 100 watt HF rigs readily available and many hams, of course, still operate with a kilowatt of transmitter power? Uh, there are many good reasons, in my opinion, and all I can do in this forum is suggest what makes QRP attractive for me. Uh, first and foremost, of course, there's a challenge of being heard around the world using only a modest station and putting out a puny signal. And uh, this for me, anyway, in my opinion, this is quite addictive. I think anyone who enjoys hunting or fishing, for example, can easily understand the lure of QRP, uh, no pun intended. So, you know, another reason is taking a portable QRP station out on a hike in the outdoors is uh, a great way to combine a little exercise with one of your favorite hobbies. Uh, there's also the fact that some QRP equipment, not all, but some, requires less of a financial investment than other types of ham gear. And this will certainly appeal to the cash-strapped uh, ham or anyone who doesn't want to have a lot of money tied up in the hobby. Uh, QRP equipment tends to be more compact and more easily transported. And as an example, um, on a family trip to the U.S. Southwest in 2009, I was able to take along a complete portable QRP HF station uh, in a small camera bag as part of my carry-on luggage uh, and uh, enjoyed that at, uh, at various moments uh, during the trip. And finally, uh, I think it's a great solution, at least during the warm weather months, for uh, anyone who lives in an apartment or a condo uh, who can't easily operate HF from home. And I know uh, I have many ham friends who are in that situation. It must be said that uh, not everyone enjoys QRP. I once read an article in a ham publication of one uh, amateur radio operator who shall remain unnamed, who became quite indignant and angry with another ham who was trying to call him using QRP, I guess because band conditions weren't very good. So this somewhat uh, intolerant gentleman was quoted as saying on the air, life is too short for QRP, so turn up your power. <laughs> Uh, I would actually turn that statement around a bit and say, 
uh, life's too short to not try QRP at least once. And if you try it, you might actually like it. You know, there, there are those who swear by QRP and would never go QRO. Uh, I personally think life is all about balance, and uh, there's a time and place for QRP, just like anything else in the hobby. Uh, I was always intrigued by some portable HF gear and the possibilities that it offered. And finally, in uh, 2008, I purchased my FT-817, ESO FT-817, which some have referred to as the Swiss Army knife of amateur radio. And I think for good reason. Uh, this little rig offers... Uh, all modes and all bands from 160 meters up to 70 centimeters, except for the 220 megahertz hand band. And all of this in a surprisingly small package. Initial use for my, for my little, uh, for my new toy was uh, for QRP mobile. I thought it would be quite interesting to uh, use some monoband uh, mini hamsticks on a triple magnet mount on my truck uh, and see what I could do with 5 watts uh, single sideband. Now I was using uh, the so-called mini hamsticks that you can buy, they're, uh, they're, just, they're uh, made by a couple of companies that I'm aware of, Shark FM Distributing, and another na brand name is Iron Horse, and they, they tend to be roughly half the size of the regular hamsticks, and I've found them uh, to be quite effective, even when running 5 watts, believe it or not. I've worked uh, France and Italy on 20 meters uh, using both SSB and CW at a time when the solar flux was really no higher than it is these days. Um, you know, we're talking about whip antennas only a meter in length, and of course, working in the U into the U.S. is uh, is very easy. But eventually, I decided I wanted more consistent results into Europe on my two-hour daily commute, so I went with a 100-watt uh, IC706. Uh, this meant, of course, that I didn't really have any use, any immediate use for my FT817, and I soon discovered that. Uh, Hooking my 817 up uh, to my 40 to my inverted V antenna at home, uh, it was very interesting to work into Europe on 40 meter CW at night, and uh, work a lot. I worked a lot of European stations on uh, 40 meter CW using only five watts of the inverted V. That became uh, a lot of fun. But I, I, I did realize that that's not really why the 817 was designed. It was designed to be taken to field, and. Um, I soon started to take it to my office uh, for use on lunch hours. Fortunately, I have access to two parks that are a short walk from my office in downtown Toronto. And I soon took to uh, carrying uh, a complete HF QRP station uh, into the park at lunchtime um, in a small camera bag uh, in a very discreet manner. And um, uh, it's, it's been great fun. Don, unless uh, you have any questions at this point, I think I'd like to proceed to uh, describe some of the equipment uh, that I've been using and some of my experiences with it. Uh, VE3LNU from VA3XFT, the net controller for the VA3XPR Global 360 Net. By all means, Joe, we're, uh, we're very interested to hear all of the details here. I'm actually uh, laughing to myself you taking the uh, camera bag into the park lunchtime, but uh, please, please proceed. Uh, VA3XFT. Uh, we'll be saving comments to the end of the net, uh, so uh, just please stand by. Uh, go ahead, Joe. A3XFT, the 3LNU returning. Thank you, Don, and uh, thanks to the gentleman with the comment, and uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, you can have a lot of fun with this stuff, and uh, not the least of which is uh, uh, going uh, HF portable QRP incognito, so uh, when, when you're leaving the office. <laughs> um, 
So I'd like to start uh, give you a little description of the types of antennas that I've uh, experimented with and had some success with. Uh, obviously, for a quick and easy setup in the outdoors and to facilitate carrying your QRP kit, uh, you want an antenna that is light and compact. Uh, many Portable QRP operators get excellent results using a simple random long wire antenna with a portable antenna tuner. Uh, but ultimately, you have to find what works best for you. Now, there are many portable HF antennas that are commercially available. Um, many of these, however, at a significant expense. And uh, also, some of them are fairly heavy and also require uh, a fair amount of setup time. So. Uh, the conclusion I reached is, while these may be acceptable for something like a camping trip, um, they certainly didn't fit my needs for, uh, you know, carry, uh, going out with a camera bag and setting up uh, for a few quick QSOs at lunchtime. So I started uh, with the random long wire and a compact uh, MFJ16010 random wire antenna tuner. This was fine, uh, but I, I still wasn't completely satisfied. and. Um, I next tried the MFJ1899T multiband whip antenna, which you could connect with a right angle connector even just to the back of the rig if you want. Um, in Europe, this antenna is known as the ATX walkabout. Uh, my thinking with this one was that I could get by with a relatively compact whip, easy to carry and set up. Um, but what I found was that to be effective, this antenna requires at least one wire counterpoise raised above the ground below. But really what I'm doing here is is recreating a dipole, so uh, why not just go with a dipole antenna? And uh, uh, that's what I'm going to describe to you in just a second. A few feet, and uh, the light soon came on, and I thought we reached the conclusion that it's pretty hard to beat the simple dipole antenna uh, for any kind of radio operation, whether you get a commercial version or make your own, um, provided you've got uh, a handy tree or shrub nearby for support. And uh, as, I, as you will soon hear, uh, I've proven that uh, even a dipole uh, no more than two or three meters off the ground can be highly effective. Uh, I have settled actually on the commercially available uh, antenna uh, called the Yo-Yo Tenna Deluxe. This consists of uh, two enclosed plastic reels, each containing about 40 feet of wire, which uh, has a short piece of coax that can be connected directly to your radio or to an antenna tuner. And it's available from uh, Bill uh, Whiskey Alpha 8, Mike Echo Alpha of DWM Communications in Michigan. Um, and he has a very interesting website, uh, for those who might be interested, uh, hamradiofund.com, uh, with a number of uh, interesting radio products apart from these portable dipoles. Now, I find this Yo-Yo Tana dipole practical for a number of reasons. Uh, you could coil the wire up easily for transport. I'm basically just carrying two reels in my camera bag. Uh, if you forget your antenna tuner or it breaks down, this antenna allows you uh, to just extend the wire till you get resonance for whatever band you want to operate on. And I've never really felt the need to try anything else uh, to date. Uh, this has worked rather well. Uh, also, I find that with, the, with their weight, the reels are quite easy to toss over tree branches, so it's easy to suspend your dipole a few feet off the ground uh, from any handy branch uh, without too much effort. Uh, I'll take a pause uh, before I continue discussing uh, antenna tuners. Uh, thanks to uh, a couple of my ham friends, uh, I discovered that I, I could actually get a much less bulky uh, portable antenna tuner than the MFJ, although it's certainly uh, 
very simple and foolproof EMFJ. Alicraft uh, sells a very interesting little tuner, smaller than a package of cigarettes. It's known, it's known as the Alicraft T-1, which operates probably for a year or two uh, on a 9-volt battery. And uh, this also uh, is very light and compact. And what I've done is Velcro it to the top of my radio uh, with a short uh, connection to the rig. And uh, I can pretty much run any kind of antenna I want with this tuner. Now, at this point, I should mention one interesting aspect of uh, running antennas that are close to the ground. Um, conventional antenna theory, as I've always understood it, tells us that normally a dipole that is strung horizontally at low heights, and by that I mean less than a half, wave, a half wavelength at the frequency at which you're operating, uh, this antenna would act as an NVIS antenna and radiate almost straight up. In other words, you don't get that low angle of radiation that is supposed to be desirable for um, for DX. PR. V3LNU on the Global 360 net. So NVIS stands for Near Vertical Incident Skywave. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it's often said that NBIS antennas are great for making local contacts within your region, but not really beyond a few hundred kilometers. Uh, what I started doing was just uh, stringing the wires as vertically as possible to some low tree branches wherever, wherever I would set up my station, uh, and then running them back down. Um, and I found that I could approximate the performance of an inverted V with a lower angle of radiation. So that was the theory, and that was what I always believed. Um, interestingly enough, in the uh, March 2012 issue of QST magazine, there's a, there's a fascinating article by Eric uh, Kilo Lima 7 Alpha Juliet, uh, in which he begins to question some commonly held beliefs about the ionosphere and about how HF propagation actually occurs. Without getting into all of the technical details, which you can read for yourselves, um, Eric does talk about NVIS effects and how they are likely not as black and white as we used to think. Um, in fact, he suggests that the whole notion of antennas needing an extra low angle of radiation for DX may be somewhat overblown and that uh, probably many DX signals reach us at a much higher angle than we think uh, due to factors such as tilting of the ionosphere, the fact that the ionosphere is not uniform, and it probably contains many gaps and bumps along the way. Well, what this means to me, without getting into technicalities and physics, is that having your dipole uh, as an inverted V or having it horizontal is probably not as critical as I used to think. And uh, this whole uh, notion probably explains why I've been so successful at making DX contacts uh, with an antenna only uh, uh, six or seven feet off the ground in most cases. Before I, I get into what I've actually done with my portable station. I think a few words are in order about power sources. Anyone who's going to be taking a rig into the field will sooner or later want uh, external power. And uh, without getting into too much detail on this, I found that the, uh, the compact sealed lead acid batteries are quite inexpensive and easy to find from a number of uh, sources, even uh, non-amateur radio stores. Uh, their prices generally range from 20 to $50 for capacities like two, uh, amp hours, or five amp hours, or seven. And uh, initially, they did allow me to run the full five watts output from my FT817 for much longer than I would have been able to just using the radio's uh, stock battery. Uh, in my opinion, though, uh, because of their weight, these antennas are great for 
longer outings again, something like a camping trip perhaps, or a day-long outing, but maybe not the best to lug around in a small camera bag. What I found is uh, much better, personally, is the, uh, the new extremely lightweight uh, lithium polymer batteries. I use uh, the Energizer XP8000 model, rated at 8 ampere hours. Uh, now, when used at 12 volts, like it's probably less than, somewhat less than 8 ampere hours, but I found that I can get uh, a good 2 to 3 hours at 5 watts operation uh, from my rig with this battery uh, before the voltage starts to drop. And again, like the T1 tuner, this, is, uh, this little uh, power supply is probably smaller than a package of cigarettes. And uh, last time I checked, it's available uh, online. Uh, I don't think it was available in Canadian retail stores, but that may have changed recently. The downside is these are a little more expensive. And finally, the last word on power supplies. Uh, I've even seen, uh, I've heard of enterprising QRPers who get folding solar panels uh, to power their rigs in the field, and uh, this is certainly something that's on my list of things to do. B3LNU on the uh, Global 360 net. So, uh, the question that many are probably asking is, so when you get all this stuff together and you go out to your park on your lunch hour, do you just look silly or can you actually make any contacts? Well, perhaps a bit of both. <laughs> I'll leave the, the first uh, supposition to you, but uh, I've had a lot of fun. and uh, um, Using only this portable dipole that I described, like I said, two or three meters off the ground, I've worked uh, Hawaii on 20-meter CW gotten reports like 559. So that's a distance of about 7,500 kilometers using 5 watts. Um, uh, working into Europe and the U.S. is no problem at all, and, and in fact almost routine. And um, I'd like to, uh, at this point, explode a rather bothersome myth about QRP that goes something like this. Uh, if you go QRP, you're going to have to use CW if you want anyone to hear you. And that's the myth. Uh, I found it... Uh, it certainly is true that CW is more efficient. Uh, but if you prefer SSB, uh, if you just don't like CW, period, uh, you, you can and will make uh, many SSB QRP contacts. Uh, last fall, when we had the rise in the solar flux, uh, I made many SSB contacts with European stations on 17 through 10 meters. And reports of up to 5 and 9 were not uncommon. Uh, although most of the time I was quite happy to get a 5.4 or a 5.5 report. So my experience has been that when the bands are open or somewhat open, uh, 5 watts is, is, and a low antenna are actually not the handicap that some might believe. EA3XPR. Back at home with, uh, you know, your, your uh, vertical antenna or uh, a high dipole or maybe even a beam, then uh, you're, you'll be flying. You'll have no problem at all filling your logbook with uh, QRP uh, contacts. It must also be said at this point that QRP can, can be even more successful if you like to use digital modes like PSK31. And uh, lo and behold, as I was preparing for this little presentation this morning, I got my uh, most recent issue of QST in the mail just last night. The May 2012 issue has a nice little picture of the FT817 on the front cover with an Android smartphone and an interface that uh, two enterprising American hams have put together, uh, W8DA and uh, K0 Bravo X-Ray Bravo. 
and uh, they actually uh, now can work uh, PSK31 using their 817 to field uh, with just their smartphone without needing to bring along a laptop, uh, which was always what prevented me from wanting to try PSK31. So having seen that, I think now I somehow have to get rid of my BlackBerry and, uh, and get an Android phone because uh, last time I checked, unfortunately, there were no apps available to run PSK31 on, uh, on BlackBerry, but I'd be... I'd love to hear from anyone later on in the net uh, who, who knows otherwise. B3LNU on the Global 360 net. Um, continuing on now, I'd like to uh, provide you with some operating uh, tips um, that could make your QRP experience uh, initially less frustrating and a lot more enjoyable. The first tip that I would uh, suggest to people is don't call CQ. Uh, the QRP community has established some conventions. And, you know, we have QRP calling frequencies for both CW and sideband. In my opinion, the CW calling frequencies are a little more successful as they tend to be uh, in some bands uh, in the lower traffic portions of the bands anyway. And, uh, you might get a little more attention if you call it CQ, but uh, I've had the most success um, by tuning around and calling the strongest stations that I hear on the band. Uh, chances are that uh, those strongest stations are um, probably running a beam antenna, something like a log periodic or a seven element, and or uh, there's a better path between the two of you, which will increase your chance to be heard uh, with a weaker signal. Uh, my experience has been that I almost always get an answer when I call stations that are 5.8 to 5.9 or, you know, 5.9 plus, as we sometimes say. You will also find that uh, there are some VX stations, and this has happened to me a couple of times, there are some VX stations that are so considerate as to uh, stop the pileup on their frequency and ask if there are any mobile or QRP stations, in which case you can jump in and uh, jump ahead of the queue, basically. Uh, so again, it does pay to listen and tune around and, uh, and bide your time uh, when you can. I had a bit of a dilemma when I started operating QRP in terms of operating procedure because I was never sure if I should add the suffix slash QRP to the end of my call sign. Um, there are two schools of thought on this. I've, I've found it interesting that some of my hand friends have also suggested that uh, you know you just call somebody and uh, don't tell them your QRP until later and uh, they'll often be pleasantly surprised. Uh, on the flip side, uh, there are those who feel that uh, signing slash QRP can attract attention and give you a better chance. I, I just personally find it a little more laborious uh, on CW to have to uh, add uh, the characters uh, slash QRP after my call, so often I just won't bother. Uh, one last thing about operating, um, you know, there's a so-called golden rule of five watts for QRP. Um, you can have a lot of fun operating portable stations at power levels of more than 5 watts, say up to 20 watts. Uh, there are the MFJ uh, single band uh, SSB transceivers that uh, you can get quite cheaply. They run about 20 watts. There's the ICOM IC703 that runs 10 watts. The ASO FT897 with its accessory battery pack that runs about 20 watts. Now, there's no reason you can't get out with these rigs and, uh, and have a lot of fun operating portable, uh, but you may find that if you start uh, adding slash QRP to your call sign, uh, <laughs> you may find uh, that uh, some people get a little sticky about that because uh, you're really supposed to be at 5 watts, but you shouldn't let that uh, stop you from enjoying uh, portable field operations, of course.
I'll just make a few final uh, comments for the next couple of minutes, and uh, and I'd be happy to uh, entertain any questions. Now, uh, as much as I enjoy QRP, uh, I'm willing to admit that it's not for everyone. It does take patience, and you need to know right from the start that you're not going to get a reply from every station you call. Uh, but, of course, uh, when you do finally get that reply, and it is that uh, DX station you were looking for, uh, I don't think there's anything quite like it if you enjoy HF operation. The choices that are out there in terms of equipment, um, you know, you don't have to spend eight or nine hundred dollars on an FT817. Uh, there are uh, both uh, many affordable offerings, uh, such as those by companies like MFJ on the market, uh, that you can get for two hundred dollars or a bit more. If you have an electronics background, unlike me, or you like building kits then QRP is definitely something you can sink your teeth into, uh, and many companies have a very wide selection of kits available, ranging from basic uh, QRP transmitters to complete and sophisticated transceivers like Aircraft. Of course, a simple Google search, as with anything else, for uh, QRP transceiver or QRP kits will reveal uh, many hidden treasures on the market. I point out that, uh, thanks to a tip from a good ham friend of mine, um, the April 2012 issue of CQ Amateur Radio magazine is uh, entirely devoted to QRP operation. There's an interesting article in there uh, by a fellow who uh, took his uh, QRP equipment uh, to Hawaii on several trips. He started out with uh, a kit very similar to mine, but he found that uh, for his liking it was a bit too heavy and a little bit too complex, and he wasn't getting a lot of uh, battery life on his outings. He actually ended up using... Uh, a small CW-only transceiver, even smaller and lighter than, the, than an FT817, less current drain, and um, uh, a small manual antenna tuners. The bottom line is, uh, you know, you have preferences, and of course there's no one rig that does everything perfectly. The uh, Elecraft has started selling a very interesting little portable QRP rig uh, known as the KX3. One of its many features is that it offers built-in decoding of PSK31 without the need for a computer or, or an interface. Um, and it has similar features to the FT817 minus the uh, VHF and UHF bands. Um, now, on the flip side, it's lighter than the better ergonomic design, and it can give you up to 10 watts, uh, with uh, what appears to be a much lower current drain as well. Now, the price tag is a little higher. In my uh, estimation, by the time you're done with all the accessories you really want for this, it's probably over $1,000, but uh, suppose you get what you pay for it. Finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that many of you probably already own a QRP rig and may never have thought of it as such. Uh, as, as many people know, uh, any uh, compact HF rig like an FT-857, uh, 706, or, or the like, it can be... Uh, adjusted to operate only 5 watts, and uh, presto, you can do double duty as a QRP rig, uh, a small uh, sealed light acid battery, and you're off to the races for, uh, for portable QRP operation. And of course, there's an endless array of videos, as we all know, on, on places like YouTube, uh, produced by hams who have done uh, just this sort of thing. So that's pretty much my talk for today. I'd be uh, very happy to entertain questions at this point, and uh, thank you for your patience. E3 LNU. E3 LNU from VA3 PR Global 360 Net. Joe, that was excellent. Thanks very much for all the information. Very informative. Um, I actually uh, have uh, just one question that I'd like to uh, pose. Uh, I think I asked the other day when I was uh, chatting you before the net. Um, 
out of curiosity, so your success uh, based upon uh, working higher bands versus lower bands, do you find, I think you mentioned that uh, you have a lot more success on the higher bands uh, working lower power. Maybe you can comment about that, uh, Joe. Uh, go ahead. EXFT, the 3 lnu uh, Yes, uh, th generally speaking, that's correct on, uh, of course, as, as, as many of us know, um, you can get uh, stronger signals uh, bouncing off the uh, F layers of the ionosphere. Uh, in my experience, when you're running uh, low power on the higher bands, 10 meters uh, probably being the, uh, the band uh, par excellence uh, when you're talking about this kind of thing. Uh, although, unfortunately, because of the solar flux, as we all know, uh, the solar flux on this so uh, cycle has been extremely disappointing, extremely low. Um, I actually was making more contacts, I think, a couple of years ago than I have been lately on the higher bands. Instead of um, improving, it seems to be getting worse. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nobody really knows where it's going to go. But uh, uh, the bottom line is there's always something happening on the lower bands. Uh, I've never tried, well, I shouldn't say never. I've tried 80 meters once using the inverted V at home, and I was able to check into one of the uh, local uh, traffic maps, although uh, not a great signal uh, because of the QRM, a QR, a QR Nancy, rather. I have had great success on 40 meters, as I mentioned earlier, especially CW working at a Europe uh, in the evenings. And uh, even during the daytime, a lot of success uh, making local contacts down into the States on 40 meters. Uh, in fact, I recall one experience uh, on uh, the boat of a friend of mine, the VA3DDN, uh, in, in Port Perry, uh, with a little 40-meter uh, hamstick on his boat. Uh, we were working quite, quite successfully in the Florida at 40 meters with uh, reports of five at night on the 40-meter band. So, you know, depending on conditions, but uh, there's certainly a lot of DX to be had on the lower bands. You know, 30 meters is something I haven't explored a great deal, but I know that offers lots of great DX opportunities for QRP as well. Uh, provided you can get a half-decent antenna. It, it certainly uh, requires a little bit more of a push than, uh, than the higher bands, but uh, the great thing about our uh, frequency allocations is there's almost, uh, any time of day or night, there's almost, uh, th there's almost always somewhere you can go to, uh, to make a contact. Uh, back to you, Don. VE3LNU. Thanks, Joe. Uh, VE3LNU, VA3XFT. Uh, that sounds good. And uh, so I think what we'll do now that uh, uh, I guess we've gotten part past uh, the, uh, the presentation uh, section of our net. We'll open it up for anybody who has questions uh, concerning what, uh, what Joe has shared with us. So uh, I'll open the uh, comments up to the net. Um, just uh, uh, the way we'd like to do this is just provide your call sign and we'll come back to you with your questions. So uh, please come forward with your call sign for any questions. Net controller is Don, VA3XFT, here on the VA3XPR Global 360 net. VA3XPR. VE3WGK, Ward, please come in with your question. Good morning, Don, <coughs> and to Joe. Um, sorry I came in about uh, 10 after 10, but I've been listening, and I, I'm quite interested in the QRP, and I actually have done uh, some QRP with my, uh, my ICOM 706 and was able to make a contact into... Uh, Chilliwack, British Columbia, with uh, with five watts of power, and um, the gentleman I was speaking to in, in uh, Vancouver, party in Chilliwack, was running 450 watts back to me, and uh, it was kind of, kind of neat because when I got this QSL card, it, he he put way cool, you know, this is a, this was his first QRP, and he actually dropped down to 50 watts, and I could still work him, and he could still hear me at about five nine, so it is a lot of fun when the conditions are right. 
Thank you, Ward, uh, VD3WGK, VA3XFT. Uh, did you uh, did you have any questions for Joe, or just a comment? Just just a comment, but I did I did appreciate the uh, the talk. Is uh, I do like QRP, and uh, even though I'm not a CW, I like doing QRP with the, with the uh, voice. And uh, I just just had the comment. So back to you from VE3WGK and Don Mills. Sounds good, Ward. Appreciate your your comment. Uh, is there anybody else who has a question for Joe? Um, Please come now with your call sign. This is Don, VA3XFT, Net Controller. VA3PW, question. This station that just came in, uh, if you could just clarify your call sign again. Uh, was it VE3PAW? Roger. Okay, Paul, please come in with your question. Yeah, Don, uh, I have actually three questions. Uh, thank you very much for lots of information. You have already answered lots of uh, my questions. Uh, but uh, I was wondering the noise level in downtown core. I would expect it to be very high. I don't know if it's how much uh, noise you get there because my case I usually get uh, an S5 or even S7 noise on uh, on the lower bands. Over. Joe, I'll turn it over to you to uh, to answer the question, uh, VA3XFT. V3XFT, uh, V3LNU, uh, returning. Uh, well, uh, good morning to Ward, and uh, thank you for your comment. And before I answer Paul's question, I was just going to say that uh, I've had similar experiences at uh, Ward and uh, I, uh, if I didn't mention it before, um, what you will find is that uh, when you do operate QRP, uh, if you like being special, and you know there are times that we all like being special, uh, that's certainly one way to do it because <laughs> I have worked many European stations who are, are quite thrilled. Uh, you know, they're running a kilowatt and a huge beam, and uh, they never really stop to think that uh, some uh, guy in downtown Toronto in a park with a little wire hanging from a tree uh, and five watts could actually be heard at a distance of uh, 7,000 clicks or so. So uh, people really do, uh, at times, they really do appreciate a call from you when you QRP. So turning to Paul, and good morning, Paul. That's an excellent question about the, um, the noise level. Um, and you're quite right, because when I operate mobile, there are many areas of the downtown where I just, I've gotten myself into trouble because I'll call someone, and then there's a little bit of QSB, and they come back to me, and I can't hear a thing because I have an S7 or S8 noise level as I'm driving along certain uh, streets. So you're absolutely right. Uh, what I've found is that uh, when I get into the parks, if I can just even get uh, you know, a few hundred meters away from the traffic and uh, from the buildings, I think a lot of it comes from buildings too, uh, various types of electronic equipment. If I can just get a few hundred meters away in the middle of the park or something like that, I find uh, the noise level uh, has not really been an issue for me. Uh, it really depends on the location. But I found that with the little dipole strung in the tree, uh, as, as funny as it sounds, um, and a short length of feed line, um, I, I have not really had any issues with uh, with noise. I think you just have to get away from the traffic. Uh, unfortunately, that's probably uh, uh, you know uh, an evil reality of, uh, of city life there, uh, uh, Paul. But thank you for your question, V3LNU. Thank you, Joe. V3LNU, VA3XFT Net Controller. Paul, you had another question for Joe? Uh, please go ahead now. Thank you, Joe, for answering the question. Uh, thank you for the information. Um, I have another question here. Uh, the, the other station you worked, other stations, are there QRP as well? Or it's mostly uh, big country, big beams, and big yagis, stack yagis, because my uh, situation is, I, I, you know, I, I worked all continents recently on 15 meters, but most of my are, they have uh, big stack yagis at their locations. And uh, I didn't really work uh, many QRP stations. 
other question I had uh, is okay to ask it now. Do you participate in any QRP contests? And uh, the third question I have now, the last one, is that there is a bylaw uh, prohibiting uh, attaching anything to the trees, uh, at least in the Toronto area, in GTA. So uh, did you get away with this? That's it uh, for now. Thank you. Uh, over. Hi, Joe. I'll turn it over to you to answer the question. VA3XFT. XPR. Sorry. Yes, Paul, uh, very good points. Uh, I'll answer the first couple of uh, points very quickly. Do, do I work other QRP stations? The answer is yes, I have. I have worked a few. Um, uh, to be honest, they have tended to be, uh, they have tended to be uh, on CW, and uh, the signals have been uh, on the weaker side, so CW certainly lends itself. And I think for those, uh, again, who don't particularly appreciate CW as a mode, I think if you can get into PSK-31, you'll find that uh, you'll be working other similarly equipped stations at low power um, using PSK-31 without too much difficulty. But uh, the short answer to your question is yes, I've worked mainly QRO stations with, with larger antennas. I've worked many stations who were running just dipoles. Uh, not always with the best of signal reports for me, but uh, we were able to make the contacts. So um, uh, it certainly is possible, and it really all depends on the conditions. So I'll turn now to uh, the QRP contest. I uh, personally have not had the time uh, with the way my home life is and my lifestyle to um, participate in any contest, to be honest, unless I'm on the road and driving, or unless there happens to be something going on uh, when I'm on my lunch hour from work. <laughs> And I'm in the park, uh, so I have not. But certainly, uh, uh, that is uh, something I wouldn't mind exploring. And thank you for for bringing that to my attention. And by the way, congratulations on your work to all continents. I think that's uh, that's great. Another thing I haven't done. Now, uh, I'm quite intrigued by the uh, Toronto bylaw. To be quite honest, I wasn't aware of that. Um, I've not had any problems. Uh, people walk by and they smile and. Uh, most of the time, they really don't know what you're doing, and I'm not damaging any property. I'm, uh, I'm throwing uh, a reel over a branch, hanging it there for uh, 45 minutes, and then uh, taking it down, and no one knows I was there. Uh, so uh, if there's a legal issue, then uh, perhaps that's something that I myself uh, should be looking into. It certainly wouldn't be an issue um, in most places, but uh, again, uh, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I was not aware of that. Uh, VE3 LNU back to that. Thank you, Joe. VE3 LNU from VA3 XFT net controller for the VA3 XPR Global 360 net. Yep, that's, uh, those are good points that uh, Paul brings up. And uh, I actually have a question that uh, kind of, I guess, ties into the whole uh, contest around QRP, uh, Joe, and maybe you could uh, answer this. But uh, are there any uh, specific QRP nets or anything on the various HF bands that occur? Uh, VE3LNU from VA3XFT net controller. VE3XFT, VE3LNU uh, returning. Uh, I'm sure there are many. Uh, to be quite frank with you, it's not something I've explored. Uh, I know I've uh, I've run across many references uh, on the net and in magazines. Uh, I just can't uh, cite any for you on the air right now. Uh, but uh, I know there are many uh, QRP organizations uh, around the world. There's even... Um, one organization uh, uh, that believes in pedestrian uh, portable HF and not, not just QRP, 
so you know what? There's something for every imaginable uh, taste and preference uh, in this hobby, just like in any other uh, pursuit, uh, Don. But unfortunately, uh, I can't uh, refer you to any specific organization. I think a simple Google search uh, will yield that information. But uh, I have not, uh, again, um, it's a question of time and resources for me. I just haven't... Uh, had time to, to do that. I think these are, uh, I'm, I find I'm learning quite a bit from running this net today, and uh, I have uh, several avenues that I can now explore uh, based on this discussion, so I thank everyone uh, for their tips and for the information. Back to you, Don. Sounds good, Joe. VE3LNU from VA3XFT Net Controller for the VA3XPR Global 360 Net. Uh, okay, so what we'll do is uh, we'll take uh, another question. If anybody listening has a uh, question for Joe, please come now with your call sign. Uh, again, it's Don here, VA3XFT Net Controller. So I'll ask again if there's anybody uh, on Echolink or IRLP who's not in the Toronto area who has any questions for Joe, VE3LNU, concerning QRP, please come now with your call sign. This is Don, VA3XFT Net Controller. V3TIJ. Good morning, David. Uh, please come with your question for Joe. Uh, sorry, uh, I was—I uh, didn't have the right tone on the radio, so uh, you may have heard me, but I didn't hear you or vice versa. Um, Joe, I really enjoyed your discussion, and uh, I do have one question on SWR. Um, I've tried working QRP from my car, and I have no end of trouble, uh, trouble with the SWR. Uh, I have an, a, a portable MFJ QRP tuner, and I was wondering uh, if I if I just uh, went to a park someday like you and uh, uh, threw threw some uh, line in the tree, or or maybe try that uh, that antenna that you mentioned. Uh, I wrote down the uh, the uh, uh, website that you noted. So I guess my question is. Um, if I try and do some kind of long wire in the in a park, will uh, will my SWR uh, uh, setup be be less troublesome? VE3TIJ uh, back to net. Thank you, David, for your uh, question. VE3TIJ from VA3XFT Net Controller. Joe, do you want to take a stab at that? XFT VE3LNU. Yeah, certainly, uh, Don. And very good morning, uh, David. And I should mention uh, to all on net that uh, David is uh, uh, actually a, a person who started using the FT817 long before I did, and actually uh, uh, inspired me to uh, to get one. Uh, so I'm uh, always grateful to David there for uh, for uh, leading the way, so to speak. <laughs> so David, good to hear you on the net this morning. And um, SWR, well, you know. Um, much is said and written about SWR by people who are uh, who have much greater expertise than I do. Um, my philosophy in life is get out and try it, and I know that's uh, yours to a large extent, and see if it works. And the theory is nice, but just get out there and see if it works. And uh, to be quite frank, my experience has been that uh, I've been able to load up almost anything and make contacts on, on almost anything I tried to load up when I was in the field, whether it was a long wire, uh, the MFJ vertical with a counterpoise, even without a counterpoise, and uh, the dipole. And uh, so I would say that um, with the uh, MFJ portable tuner, like the one I was using with the MFJ 16010, or with something like an Elecraft T1, 
Uh, SWR does not need to be a concern at all. You don't have to worry about damaging your rig. Uh, obviously, uh, the better the antenna and the more resonant the antenna, the more signal you get out there. We all know that. But uh, I've, uh, I found uh, by the magic of radio that uh, even if I just extend my Yo-Yo 10 of Deluxe Dipole wires, uh, say, uh, uh, 7 or 8 or 10 feet on either side, and I'm not particularly thinking about where that dipole would be resonant, I could tune it up with the T1 tuner. Uh, it saves me time. I don't have to keep readjusting my antenna to change bands. I just tune with the T1 tuner, and I've made contacts with good reports on all the bands uh, without actually adjusting the antenna length. So I find, again, it's one of those things that uh, you try it and see if it works. And uh, there's perfection, and then there's practicality. And uh, for the lazy people like me, uh, the, uh, the practical approach seems to have worked. So um, a good tuner like that MFJ16010 or a T1 uh, will allow you to tune up almost any kind of portable antenna you can imagine there, David, uh, including the, uh, the hamsticks. Uh, VE3LNU. VE3LNU from VA3XFT. Uh, Don, and a controller for the VA3XPR Global 360 Net. Thank you very much for your response. Um, I'll see if there's anybody else that has questions uh, for uh, Joe. Uh, please come now with your call sign. Again, this is Don, VA3XFT, the net controller. Echo 3, Echo Yankee, India. Checked in on IRLP or Echo Link. Who would like to ask Joe a question? Please come now with your call sign. This is Don, VA3XFT, net controller. VE3EYI. VE3EYI. Peter, please come in with your question for uh, Joe. Yeah, good morning, Don. Good morning, all on uh, on the net. Um, I got two comments and a question for Joe. Uh, Joe, you mentioned the Iron Horse uh, vertical antennas. I have a bunch of those. I operate mobile from the car with a 706, a little bit higher power than QRP. Uh, they're an amazing a antenna, helical wound, um, very short. Uh, my 20 meter and 15 meter antennas are about 36 inches long. And I have, in fact, uh, done what Joe said. You can work almost anywhere in the world if the conditions are good. And uh, the other guy has a huge beam. Uh, the question I had, Joe, is I missed the name of that little antenna tuner. If you could give me the make and model of the antenna tuner, again, I'd appreciate it. VA3XFT, V3EYI. Thank you, Peter. VE3EYI. Uh, thanks for your question. Uh, Joe, do you want to go ahead with that? VA3XFT net control. Don, and uh, good morning, Peter, and uh, very nice to hear uh, another uh, kindred spirit uh, who runs the uh, mini hamsticks and the 706. Uh, so I guess I'm not that crazy after all. <laughs> so that's great. That's great. I'm glad you're enjoying them. Um, the tuner that I started using uh, when I was uh, going portable was the uh, MFJ, MFJ Enterprises, which I'm sure you know the company, MFJ16010. I think they call it the random wire antenna tuner or portable tuner. Anyway, that's the model number, MFJ16010. Um, probably took a lot of thought, 160 to 10 meters. <laughs> uh, I think, I guess that's what, the, what it stands for. And the, um, the other one that I'm now using, uh, because, simply because it's more compact and lighter, is the Elecraft uh, T1, uh, which did set me back um, um, close to $200, I have to admit. But uh, I do like the fact that I can just Velcro it to the top of the rig, and uh, it uh, hardly takes up any space at all. So the Elecraft Tango-1 
is the is the other one, uh, Peter. And I look forward to uh, talking to you uh, at another time about all this stuff as well. Thanks for your question. The three LNU. R. The three LNU from VA three XFT net controller for the VA three XVR global three sixty net. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Peter, do you have any additional questions? Response. Uh, go ahead. VA three XFT. V three EYI. Just that the I find the, uh, the bandwidth on the Iron Horse antennas as wide enough in the car that I really don't have to run a tuner uh, on most of the 20 meters. Well, uh, basically 14140 up to the top end. Uh, the SWR doesn't kick the rig off, and the same thing on uh, on 15 meters. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, if you tune your antenna to the sweet spot, you can get away without a tuner at all. And thanks, Joe, for those uh, two model numbers. Appreciate it. Uh, VA3XFT for EYI. Thanks. Thank you, P Peter. Uh, VE3EYI from VA3XFT Net Controller. Is there anybody else who has questions for Joe or comments? Uh, please come now with your call sign. This is, again, Don, VA3XFT Net Controller for the VA3XPR Global 360 Net. Okay, well, I think we've hit the end of our questions, and uh, I think we've had a great discussion here this morning on QRP. Uh, it's been uh, very informative. Um, I've learned a lot myself, and uh, uh, I actually have a Yaesu uh, FT897, which uh, is capable of uh, having a battery. So, Joe, you've got to be pretty excited to pick up a battery for that rig. Although I don't think I'll be toting it into the park anytime soon, but uh, I definitely would uh, be open to uh, taking it camping or uh, something like that and uh, trying some of the low-power low uh, capabilities on it. So so with that, uh, Joe, I'll uh, turn it over to you to, if you have any final comments for, uh, for us to share, and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, VE3LNU from VA3XFT. Well, I really enjoyed this uh, this morning, and uh, again, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to get on here and uh, give me a little soapbox to uh, talk about uh, the kinds of things that really excite me. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to thank everyone for their participation, for their comments, for their questions. And I have learned uh, probably more from you than uh, you may have learned from me. So uh, I think this is great, and I, I think, Dodd, you've got a great idea with this, net, and I uh, would encourage anyone else uh, who has a particular uh, um, interest to uh, to maybe put their name forward and do this kind of thing. I think we can all benefit from this, and I think Dawn VA3XFT uh, is to be applauded for uh, for undertaking this initiative. Uh, it takes uh, quite a bit of work with its website and uh, organization, and uh, I uh, I'm very pleased uh, to have been able to take part. And as for um, and Dawn, uh, there you go. You can put your FT897 to an alternate use. Um, as for taking it into the you know and what people may think of you. Um, I think uh, the park that I go into, uh, I've uh, been passed on many occasions by staff who who smile uh, uh, at me, give me a friendly smile and wave and keep going. And it's entirely possible that they think that I'm not entirely of sound mind and therefore I could also be dangerous. So they, they do tend to leave me alone. So uh, be that as it may, I have a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to getting out uh, in the coming weeks again. <laughs> so send for you all and... Uh, Thanks for your participation. It's been a lot of fun. VA3XFT, VA3LNU. VE3LNU from VA3XFT. Thank you, Joe. And uh, I'm glad you were able to join us uh, on the net this morning. And uh, from everybody, uh, from myself and everybody else who's participating in the net this morning, I'd like to uh, thank you very much for uh, sharing all this information. It's been really great. Um, just to uh, a note to everybody who is listening to the net, 
Uh, I'm going to actually post the, the tips that uh, Joe provided with us on operating QRP. And Joe, if you have any additional information you'd like to add in terms of equipment or, or, or whatnot, please send it to me and I'm happy to add it to the uh, posting for this uh, event. Um, I also have recorded this net and there will be an audio file available uh, under the posting also. So if you or uh, if you know of anybody who, uh, who wasn't able to make the net who would like to hear about it, then uh, an audio transcript of the net is available there or if you actually want to go back and refer to it yourself. So I'll be posting that later today. With that, uh, I thank, thank you everybody for, uh, for joining. Um, and I would like to thank uh, Tony, VK3JED for the generous use of his IRLP and Echolink reflector, plus all the other IRLP and Echolink node owners around the globe who have made this net possible. Again, for more information on the VA3XPR Global 360 net, please check out the VA3XPR Global, sorry, the VA3XPR website at www.va3xpr.net. With that. I'll uh, close the net off and return the uh, system back to general use. So thank you, everybody, and uh, have a great weekend. This is Don, VA3, XFT, Net Controller, signing the net closed. Don and uh, 73 all, V3, LNU, clear.